launching into the song, which erupts with that tango Argentinian passion. And his just charismatic, his voice, uh, so much character. It is combined with a brilliant dance sequence, passionate, raw, and one of the most complicated juxtapositions of love and hate into one sequence. episode 10 of the 20 digit scene review podcast i can't believe it's 10 alex it's uh Mm -hmm. 10 weeks consecutive now which is a record for anything for me to do 10 weeks in a row of anything (laughs) except maybe eat (laughs) never thought this day would come but it's almost like a little anniversary for us in, in many in many ways it's a bit of a milestone not an anniversary let's call it a milestone yes um so I wanted to just take a moment to say that and thank you to all listeners, viewers, uh, for continuing on this journey with us. So with that, uh, my name is David. I'm one of the co-hosts for this podcast, and I have Alex with me, as always. Hello. Every, every week, we pick a scene from a movie or TV series, a short movie, what have you, and we review it. And share our thoughts on them. So today is episode 10, even, meaning not odd, which means me to start. So I am super excited about uh, this episode because I've picked a scene from a 2001, so I think this may be the first within this decade, Moulin Rouge, Moulin Rouge, uh, starring Nicole Kidman, Evan Evan McGregor, um, amongst others, directed by Baz Luhrmann and written also by Baz and Craig Pierce. Um, I remember this movie very vividly when I first watched this. It was nothing like I've ever seen before, really. At a time where I think musicals were... I'm not sure if they were as frequent as, say, uh, in the past. And... One of the things that just stood out for this movie for me was the usage of mid-late 20th century music in an 1800 setting, an 1880-1890 sort of setting in in France, Moulin Rouge, Um, Red Light District to be uh, exact. And I don't think it was the first to do that. Uh, I may be wrong. Um, But it certainly was the first, as far as I was concerned, and groundbreaking in many ways, because it did do that. Um, I believe he actually took, uh, it took Baz a couple of, two to three years actually, to get the proper licensing for the songs, for every song that he did choose uh, and used in the movie. Um, And you can see, you can can sort of understand why, because he's used so many. Now the particular scene, and I could go all day, about this movie and in the movie in its entirety is a bit more artsy and tough to follow at times but this is why we call it a scene review podcast and the and the scene that i have decided to pick was the one that i almost got off my chair and gave a standing o after after it was done and it was the roxanne mashup uh roxanne by the police was obviously written by sting initially originally in 1978 a mashup between uh roxanne and uh the argentinian um, composer Mariano Mora's uh, Tanguera, composed in 1958. And there was a bit of a mix of um, 
Come What May, which um, was written by David Burwald and Kevin Gilbert. But there's a, that was uh, there's a, that song was actually featured in a in a more of a in a separate scene, and it was done for uh, the, um, theatrical reasons in this part. It was a bit of an interlude uh, that occurred probably three quarters of the way into it. Now, one of the things that really stood out for me, I don't think I recall ever seeing a character that I don't recall in the movie, don't know his name or her name, stealing the scene without question. Uh, actor J- Jacek Coleman, who plays the unconscious Argentinian, uh, is featured launching into the song, which uh, erupts with, um, with a, obviously, that tango Argentinian passion. And his just charismatic, almost uh, baritone, I don't even know if it's the baritone-ish, but it's just his, let's say, his voice, uh, so much character in the way he drives um, leading up to the, the chorus of the song. Because when the first parts of it, you just don't know kind of what it is because it's a, it's a tango, rum, bum, bum, ba, rum, bum, bum, bum. And, and you, you hear this buildup as he, as he talks through passionately through his lines about um, the cycle of love, betrayal, jealousy, um, in not mm-hmm. so many words. And it is combined with one, an, an, a brilliant dance sequence, uh, a tango, of course, and passionate, raw, and, and, it, and one of the comp- tackling one of the most complicated juxtapositions of just love and hate um, into one sequence. <clears throat> And and then it becomes a play within a play because, of course, you have Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman playing Christian and Satine, respectively, and of course the Duke who plays um, um, the, the character with the most power, um, and of course Nicole Satine is, is, is in love with Christian. <clears throat> anyway, uh, there's so much to talk about this musically, um, it, the sound effects of the dancing, the the tapping with the beat, with the song, with the violin which, I mean, next to the piano is, is actually one of my favorite instruments of all time, uh, usage in this. There's just so much to talk about. Um, the editing is cut, it's raw, it's almost like a stream of consciousness, but it does play well together. Uh, it doesn't play out like a regular song. There's a, there's, a, there's a sequence in between where it allows like theatrical scene to kind of take place, and then yeah, it erupts yeah. again for a climax. I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know where to end with this scene. There's so many good things going on in here. Uh, and the last thing I will say is that it's a duet at the end of the day between Jacek, who plays the Argentinian, and Ewan McGregor's character, Christian. It's so unconventional um, and very similar to uh, you know, a previous um, scene review that I did for, for West Side Story, where you know, they, they're, they're, they're singing, they're speaking... It combines into a single story uh, from their point of view beautifully, and you have the rawness of the of Jassic's voice, and then you know the more sort of you know, your classic tenor of Ewan McGregor, which is the lover, you know, the lover boy, and it just beautiful juxtaposition between between two voices, and a duet that you've never, probably never encountered, um, uh, that I ever encountered. So I'm going to stop here because I could probably talk forever about this. And there's so much to pick off. I mean, Alex, I'm sure you've had some thoughts on this. 
Yes, definitely. Uh, great pick for sure. And certainly from from beginning to end, like right off the bat hits you that clearly this is this is going to be very dramatic and powerful and passionate. Mm-hmm. And just the just even the very first lines is just he's barking them out and, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's got them and very character uh unique voice in uh yeah. that he's just like he's growling the, yeah, the, growling. the notes uh practically right and um as as the scene uh goes through and then the song goes through the the frequency of the cuts and the editing yes. is just yes. it's just it's just flying and yeah Definitely giving you that that frenzied kind of vibe that wow, there's just a whirlwind of of things happening, and what I liked about this uh, you pick here is this is not only the multiple musical lines like you said we've got the the tenor up up we've got the growling underneath and then the other secondary characters also interjecting their That's lines right. or their or music, but on top of that, the weaving of the multiple I guess locations or, right. or uh, sub scenes, um, but yet it's it's a single unified work like artwork mm-hmm. that's happening not both musically and and cinematically mm-hmm. it was it was really well done and um the climax was, was really good and you have you know there's this the stage there's the there's the the duke and the lady and then and there's there's the guy walking on the outside like all these things happening but yet they're related but yet right. they're separate and exactly just, yet they're related yeah. <laughs> yet they're separate but it works together it it yeah, absolutely yeah. is it is an absolute editing masterpiece the way this was done. Um, I think, you know, you, you've picked off the words I couldn't think of coming on my head, but the power, the raw power, the passion, right. um, you know, the, uh, it's just the way the snap of the, of the, of the spins yeah. of the, of the taps of the, of how they meet together and how they're, how they're going. I mean, if I were to take up dance, it would absolutely be tango. It's just, there's something about that dance that's just so beautiful, but so powerful mm-hmm. at the same time. And there's just, um, there's nothing like it for me. Um, and I can recount many um, different pieces, in fact, of uh, where it's the piano and, and, the, and the violin duet. So... Um, it's it, it's certainly one of the the staples of that of that type of music genre, and I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I think that just helps. Um, but it, again, it's the, the the dancing part. We can't can't forget about that either. It's just yeah, yeah. you know leaving those sound pieces in there, that sound production in there, just adds so much dimension to the scene as it leads up to it. And and the way it just climaxes is just beautiful too. It's just um, and Ewan just does a fantastic job, like singing through that. And then the growl, like it's just, it's just unconventional yeah. duet. And then, um, yeah, even even the the interplay between the sub scenes, how there would be some some lyrics of of one scene, and then the, it would cut to the next scene. But the things that they were doing visually had to do with the lyrics, like they were relating right. to the lyrics of right. the, pre, the other scenes. So it's like a cinematic polyphony or something right. going on, right? It's right, just, and it very strategic. Um, pauses in the scene too, where, as I said before, the scene kind of, kind of goes on a little bit with Satine and and the Duke for a little bit as they're sitting at the dinner table, and it, there's a bit of even just lines that are happening there. And the same mm-hmm. thing when you McGregor, um, McGregor kind of walk, Christian walks out, and then Satine's looking over, and then she kind of instead of saying, you know, I love you or whatever. Or miss you or whatever she's singing. Come what may, which is their you know their song. You know that's their duet, yeah. and that's and without having to say much, the Duke. You, you, they're using that sort of um, that sort of 
interplay there to to just transcend, translate into the sort of the anger, jealousy phase and the violence that occurs thereafter. Uh, well, there isn't much. There is a bit of violence just for viewers there that are um, sensitive to that, but nothing happens in the end. The, one of the dancers knocks knocks the duke out at the end, <laughs> so, so he clocks him once, so he doesn't do anything in the end. But um, I, I I I I was stunned. I can tell you, I was so stunned that they were using Roxanne from the police. Like as I said, like in the lead up, you don't you don't realize it. You know it's a tango, it's coming. But then when he launches into the Roxanne, it's like. Oh my God! This is absolute brilliance. The way this is done. Yeah, yeah. I could talk. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So I, I think I'll stop there because I could talk all night. I could talk all night about this scene. It's phenomenal, and I think I'm gonna go after this. I'm gonna go and just watch and listen to it like constantly. I could listen to it like a, to work for you know it's a 25 minute drive. I could watch, I could listen to it on repeat the whole way there. <laughs> if I nice. want. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm inspired to actually try to go. We'll see the full film again because I hadn't seen it in yeah. probably fifteen plus years, right? Yeah, so. it's true. Actually, and you, you, it, it, absolutely. Yeah, and there's again, we're we'll going to be picking off scenes from that. You, you, there's so many good scenes from that movie. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. So this week, my pick is um, a film, foreign film called Miracle. Well, the English title is uh, Miracle in Cell Number Seven, uh, and I'm looking at timestamp eleven fifty and nine minutes up to about twenty fifty. Now, this is a 2019 Turkish film, but it's actually based on a 2013 Korean movie of the same English title. <laughs> and on top of that, it was actually, there were several other remakes done in other languages, including um, Filipino and I think uh, Indonesian. Huh, okay, so nice. like the, just the general script, people just fell in love with it. And, you know, uh, creative people just wanted to, to keep... Uh, sorry, the original it. is the Korean version? Is it's the, the Korean original? one in okay, 2013, okay. yeah. Okay. And there's the 2019 one is the one I'm going to talk about. And there's, there was even a 2021 production either already happened or in the midst of hmm. being done. So, yeah. Um, so there's two things I really like about this film. Is One is um, the acting by the lead actor is just brilliant. And, mm -hmm. you know, how, and you know, I, t I picked the scene as um, or the sequence as you could you could really see that coming through. But it he just shines all the way through if you watch the whole mm -hmm. two hours of it. Um, and second is just really touching, heart wrenching, dramatic, powerfully dramatic story. Um, and according to my research, this is actually loosely based on a true story of some something oh. that happened to somebody in Korea. Now I I, I put the adjective loosely because I I read an article and it's. It's not quite exactly what mm. happened as we see in this Netflix film, but um, close enough. And it's it, like the main pieces are in there. Um, okay, so this sequence I picked it, it establishes the context for the entire film. Like, what's mm -hmm. this film about? What's the what's the um, the key dramatic thing that happened that sets the stage for everything that happens afterwards? So the main character, whose name is Memo, played by Turkish actor Aris Bulut Inemli. Now I don't know Turkish, so hopefully that's close to what it's actually pronounced like so this character memo um he's uh he's an adult but he's a co with a cognitive disability okay and it, it it's clear as you see very uh, early on in the film that that's that's the case so the first scene is showing memo along with his family he's got his grandmother and his daughter there okay and so i like this because it uh this first scene of the sequence it it shows the family life and and just Clearly, the, the three of them love one another, and and you know there there's no like abuse or misunderstanding or anything about 
about him having his cognitive disability. They, they've lived with it for years, and, and they love him um, just the same, right? The, the scene after that, we have um, a picnic scene uh, with um, a high-ranking military officer who's there with several family and relatives, like, like maybe 20, let's say, okay? And, and also some um, attendant low-ranking soldiers that are just kind of there, henchmen or whatever, right? Um, and it, it, <laughs> it just so happens <laughs> that Memo is nearby, um, okay? And then the, the daughter of the officer, who's around, uh, looks maybe eight years old or something like that, seven, uh, the scene continues, and she ends up playing with Memo. And there's a, an unfortunate accident where um, they're, they're playing near on some high rocks near uh, a body of water, and uh, the child slips and falls, unfortunately, to her death. Um, and Memo was right there, and he he was the old, he was playing with her, and he's the only one around. And there was really no one else around to to witness what exactly happened. And um, you know, drama ensues. The the officer and and the family and really everyone else from the from the picnic comes along and finds the child. And the officer is enraged, and he assumes that Memo has killed his daughter. Just this, all he sees is Memo, dead daughter, blood, and he just leaps to the conclusion, right? And and you could see the portrayal through the film that this guy's not not exactly Mr. Justice or whatever. <laughs> He's kind of kind of a an antagonist in the whole thing. So it's it's obvious to see that he would leap to that kind of conclusion. Um, in the in the in the scene after that in the sequence, um, we see we find, we see Memo in in military custody. Okay, in your typical uh, interrogation room kind of thing, single light, etc. Um, and Basically, he's just being physically abused by the soldiers, punching him and beating him up. And they force him physically to, to sign a confession about, about the murder. Uh, and, you know, he's got cognitive disability. And he's just a, such an innocent guy, and he doesn't know any better. So he hardly puts up any resistance, and they get a thumbprint of his on, on the paper. And uh, it's a little dark, but the sequence ends with the officer entering the interrogation room and door closes and nothing but unfortunate like beating up sounds and, and abuse and and the, the, mm. the cries of poor memo and then fade to black so yeah this is just a, a great um dramatic film and i really i really enjoyed and i recommend everyone just watch the whole thing i i picked this particular nine minute stretch just so i think it's good to pique the interest of anyone else to see. after you watch this you'll probably want to watch the whole thing and see how it plays out mm-hmm. and again in emily just he plays the role so brilliantly the way he it is so believable that uh that the character has a cognitive disability from from just the arm movements and and the facial expressions and how he spoke how he laughed at at things and and found just the the the, the simple joy in his in his character it was just really well portrayed i thought um so much more actually happens in the story, but I, I won't spoil it. Just I, it's, overall, it's a really good screenplay. Um, it just as an audience member, you just keep wondering what's going to happen to poor Memo and and his family, and how's this going to play out? And you can't help but, you know, your heart goes out to him, and you feel for him and and his suffering, and just the unfortunate situation yeah. that he's in, and then the you just love to hate the the antagonists in the in this. In the well, that's what day. drives the story, right? Because yeah, it, it, all good stories need something to help keep you engaged shall we say invested 
Uh, and you love these dramatic ones, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the heart wrenching, soul gutting, spirit ripping. <laughs> Man, like at, at first I wasn't sure. Like I, I'm glad you included um, the entire uh, time segment that you did i mean that context with the grandmother was key to at least for me that has never seen the film understand mm -hmm. what was going on um and of course almost like similar to your previous podcast review with um remember the one the other foreign film with the girl you know climbing up and you're like oh don't climb up and <laughs> in this situation you're like oh my god this is gonna happen the way it's set up it's just like oh this is it, it, it in the inverse of that other one where you say okay it's not gonna happen this one with the soldiers and the laughing of the mother and the the henchman and then you have memo's character going near the rocks and you're just like oh my god this is gonna happen this is totally <laughs> gonna happen it's just a question of whether is she gonna die or is she gonna get uh you know, severely injured, and then of course it's death, and then you're like, oh man, what's going to happen now? <laughs> and of course, yep. uh, I think unfortunate things with in in. I think it's you know classic human behavior where, um, you're looking to pin blame as mm -hmm. as, as as cruelly and quickly and swiftly as possible, um, to deflect part of maybe the pain that you're feeling maybe yep. some of the responsibility and accountability uh, in many ways in this case i don't think that was the case but just speaking generally it's those feelings that drive this let's call it evil um negative um reaction and swish judgment is what happened here and it's uh it was tough to watch for sure, and mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you're you're good at finding these diamond in the rust, and I'm glad you're bringing foreign <laughs> film. I'm glad you're bringing foreign films to the to the fore. Uh, there's so many good ones out there, and we we did another one the other the other day, a couple yep. of us, which was great. But um, you know, keep bringing them on. I think it's uh, great for for me to educate myself, <laughs> but also for our viewers and listeners to to learn about these these new ones. So keep bringing those gut-wrenching <laughs> dramatic uh, flavored uh, pieces to the table that's for sure nice yeah, yeah. i definitely will and but i'll try to i'll try to mix it up coming oh no it's, it's you're mixing it up already <laughs> yeah so, yeah but, so that's uh, mostly all i had to say on that one though no definitely great. go watch it yeah yeah that's great thank you for that thank you for this week thank you everyone for listening again this has been uh uh great a great i had a great time here again uh we're gonna as always have all our show notes uh and appropriate links in um in the description if there's a, a further follow-on that uh, you want to read about we'll have it there um and yeah i guess tune in for for next week in episode 11 uh, until then have a good week everyone thank you alex yeah. hope you have a good one yeah thanks for listening everyone bye-bye Take care. Thanks for listening. You can email us at scenereview at 20digit.com. 
and find us on YouTube by searching for 20 Digit Productions. And we're 20 Digit on Twitter and Instagram. Note that our website and all our online IDs are spelled with numbers 20DIGIT. Thanks for listening to the 20 Digit Scene Review Podcast. 